Welcome to track number four of Warfare Keys. Number two, believe in, in God's word. Number three, pain of tithe. Number four, long hours of prayer. And how many different types of long hours do we have? Three hours. Secondly, thirdly, and fourth. Okay, and then number five, the key of sacrifice, isn't it? Always remember that someone has to pay and um, always be ready to sacrifice. It always costs. There's always a price. There's really no free lunch. There's always a price to pay for something. And everything that we have, it costs something. If you haven't paid, you should know that someone else is paying. Isn't it, Pastor Collins? Yeah. So always remember, us. always remember that it's very important. The key of sacrifice is important for us to move on and to enter into things that we haven't entered into. Amen. Amen. Always between us and where we want to get to is the price. It's the price that you have to pay to enter into that place and to move into that thing. Amen. Amen. Number six is the key of valuing small things. The little thing you have now includes everything you can ever have or become, isn't it? So what you see now, the little thing you have now, the little thing that you are now includes, it's like a seed, includes everything that you can ever have and anything that you can ever become. Number seven is what? The key of rolling up your sleeves and doing menial jobs. Let's not become executives too fast and too quickly to do menial jobs. Number eight. Turning away from who? This turn away from the spices of your life and ministry. Turning away from the spices of your life and ministry. Turning away from the spices of your life and ministry. So choose people, choose to work with people, to be around people, to flow with people who respect you. Isn't when you're with someone who respects you, you feel encouraged. Isn't even when you are preaching, you like particular people to be in front or to be close. There are people who say amen. You like people who, you know, people say preach on, people who are in the flow, not people who are just there with epileptic seizures. There's nobody wants any sleepy head in front of him, any dull face in front of him, any angry face in front of him. You know, that's why God spoke to Ezekiel, Jeremiah, said, don't be afraid of their faces. Because you know, there's been some faces that would want to discourage you and intimidate you and make you feel like you don't have power. So surround them. When you have to choose, surround yourself with people who <laughs> believe in you. I don't know why you're laughing. People who believe in you and people who will encourage you. Lots of people who say, Amen. Who say, Preach it. Who say, What a word. Who say, We are blessed. Who say, The church is powerful. The church is working. The church is growing. I mean, our pastor is anointed. I mean, he's gifted. People who would believe in you. When you have such people around you, you super perform. 
all your gifts and callings and talents and anointings are stirred up. But when you have some people around you, you know if you want to go to church. So, turn away from the despisers. Turn away from the despisers. Turn away from, turn your head away from them. Don't look in their direction. Don't even consider them. Delete their number from your mobile phone. Every despiser. Turn away. And move with people who respect you. Amen. Number nine. The key of commanding your family to help you and to follow you. All these things are in Abrahamic success. So. <laughs> commanding your family to help and to follow. Hallelujah. May our families help and follow us. And then number 10. Sowing seeds, sowing spiritual seeds and ministering to other people. Okay? So do spiritual things, sow spiritual seeds, help others, and God will bless you. Number 11. Walking in the light and having fellowship with others. I think that's an eye-opener for all of us. I mean, when you look at it, you can easily evaluate your relationships. I mean, one of the common things I do is I usually evaluate my relationships with people to help me to know where, who is. I always say that people that when I meet, the only thing we do is to joke. It's, no, it's a non-existent relationship. Because there's no normal relationship that when you meet... I mean, I ask myself, when I go home and I see my wife, who I've chosen and married, I say, I love her. When I, I mean, there are times that we live for weeks, no joke. And, the, and it's not like there's a problem. It's not like there's a problem. But this is the person you are with all the time. And there's no joke. The person that you meet and every time joke, you are laughing. It's a very shallow relationship. The relationship of you're hiding a lot of things and keeping a lot of things and never coming out to bring real things and real issues. Because everybody has real parts. I mean, as we are here, we all have real parts. I mean, we have parts that, I mean, real, we have real parts and real things about us. So you just meet and then just, you know, shallow joke. I mean, it's, it's not fellowshipping in the light. It's one of the deceptions that we use. It's like this person, every time you meet, you're just joking, joke after joke. Ten minutes, you meet ten jokes. I mean, nothing serious, nothing deep. <laughs> yeah, joke per minute, then you laugh, laugh, then you bring another one. Then you laugh, then you bring another one. Then you say, oh, this person is my best friend. It's not your best friend. It's not because the real people are real friends and are real people. We don't, I mean, we don't joke. We don't, I mean, we don't, we don't joke. We don't joke that much. The, the, the nature of the relationship is not described as a laughing, joking relationship. Are, are you with me? Or, or you know, just, it's, it's, you talk about serious things. Sometimes you cry. Sometimes you laugh. Sometimes you are angry. Sometimes you are irritated. You bear your emotions. You show how you feel and how you think about things and how you actually feel about something. Not, you know, this kind of pretentious things that's like, all is well, it is well, it is powerful, there's a flow. There's no depth in some of these things. It's about, I believe that God is calling us into the light, into the light, coming out of private 
places and private contracts and private things into the light to be ourselves. That this is who we am. This is what we are. Isn't it? In a relationship, you don't hide behind the curtain. You come out and then we fellowship and then we relate. So we want to walk in the light. Yeah. Are we, are we coming out of the darkness? Yeah. So we had a few things to say there, isn't it? Walk where you can be seen clearly. Do you have that? Walk where you can be seen clearly. Function where you can be seen clearly. Or you can see you clearly. This is you. This is what you are. This is your gift. This is your calling. This is whatever. Walk where you can be seen clearly. Be positioned properly so that you can shine. Amen. Amen. Are we coming into the light? Yeah. I mean, you can see that some fellowships are not in the light. Let me see that you have fellowships that are not in the light. Yeah, some fellowships are not in the light. It's, you know, it's somewhere else. Number 12 is what? The key of adaptation is the key to adapt, isn't it? Yeah. You adapt so that you can survive in any situation. Number 13. Behaving wisely when you are blessed or fortunate. It means that you can behave foolishly when you are blessed. It means you can behave unwisely when you are blessed. And one of the ways of being unwise when you are blessed is not even seeing that you are blessed. That you are blessed and you think that you are not blessed. It's one of the unwise behaviors. That you are blessed. You have something. You think that you don't, you don't have anything. Or what you have is not the real thing. It's one of the ways of behaving unwisely when you are blessed. Your inability to recognize that I am actually blessed. That what I have is a privilege. Where I am is a privilege. That what has been given to me is such a blessing. And still be looking for other things and be looking for more things. If they, they understand. But when you can see that what I have is a blessing... You are becoming wise in the blessing. So to be able to see that you are blessed, it's a, it's a blessing. Amen. Amen. And then, number 14. Is it number 14 with you as well? It's 17 for you. For you, it's 15. Okay. So have I left anything out? No. Okay. It's just your numbering that is a bit. Okay. <laughs> Handle fathers carefully. Handle fathers carefully. Treat fathers, especially the troublesome ones. Yeah. But that one also be careful before you call a father a troublesome one. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also be careful and be very, you know, very careful. I was asking someone just last week. Asking a lady, I was asking her, oh, how is your father? And they said, oh, he started misbehaving again. That quick phone call to say hello lasted for one hour. I said, even that, even though you're what your father is doing is a bit off, but for you to have the guts and the courage to say that your father has started misbehaving again, is a sign that there's a disease in you that has to be treated. You don't look at your father with certain eyes and be quick to judge your father. Say, my father has started misbehaving again. Who are you? If anyone would judge him, it's not you. 
you, you actually have no right and no place to pass such a comment about your father. Except you, your father is doing to your mother. He has started misbehaving again. Careful. <laughs> I think by the time we finish yours well. Okay. Yeah, so handle fathers carefully. You have to handle them carefully. Actually, very, very carefully. And be careful what you say, what you even think. Sometimes the way your mind is working about a father, it's not, it's not a right way. So you have to correct that thinking. Correct that thing as well from things that you have heard about the father or about the fathers in your life. Things you've heard, it affects your thinking. So you have to change the thinking about the father and think properly because your thinking is what makes you pass, pass comments. Like this guy, thinking about the father is not right. So my father has started me. Yes, he has started his things again. What do you think? Number 15. Listen to advice. Listen to advice. Some of us listen to advice. Yeah. Okay, don't be sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to make a little comment uh, also on uh, handling a father that even apart from the fact that you need to think about it, you see, a father is just a position. It's just a position that is there. So, you really don't have much room to maneuver. The person is put there. And whether, in your opinion, the person is this or that or that, it doesn't matter at all. I get what I'm trying to say. He's still a father and must always be seen in that way. And if you have that attitude, you know, I think that it will help better. Otherwise, what is going to happen is that you will think that your relationship with, with your father will have to be based on your analysis of who he is at a particular time. But that is why David, even when Saul, you know, was fallen and had actually, you know, the anointing had been taken from him and, and, and everything was finished with him, yet he recognized that he was a father and that no matter how he was, that was how he was. Do you see? So if you see him, if you see uh, fatherhood as a position, a divine position that has been put there, you'll be able to relate properly and not relate depending on your personal assessment of him. Because today you may think that, okay, everything is okay, there's no problem and everything. So I can relate with him in this way. Tomorrow, like this lady was saying, maybe certain things have started happening and therefore my respect, my honor for him and everything has gone down. He doesn't deserve my honor, but you'll be made, making a mistake. David said, the man is fallen, but he's still anointed in the eyes of God. It is not my duty to touch him. Yeah. Anyone has anything else to say about fathers? All right. Next one is. Oh, no, we didn't do listen to advice. Yeah. Listen to advice. We have to listen to advice. When we are giving advice, we have to take it. When we are giving counsel, as the Bible said, the multitude of counselors, the safety. So it's good. Sometimes we feel that p- people talk too much. 
But Bible has already prescribed that safety is in a lot of advice. That's where your safety lies. He said, when you sit in the car, put on your seat belt. You can't say, hello, I'll just put it on for five minutes of the journey, and then the rest, I'll take it off. The safety is in putting it on. So the Bible said, a lot of advice is where your safety lies. So when someone is, is bringing a point and hammering the point and bring, saying, going over and over and over, the Bible actually says that is where your safety is. So you must allow people who speak into your life to speak and to continue speaking and continue saying what they are saying to you till it enters into your heart and it brings that change that must come in your life. Amen. Amen. So listen to advice. Listen to your advice to advice. Okay? Number 16. Give God Give God time to work things out in your ministry. Amen. Give God time to work things out in your ministry. Does someone want to say anything? Any question? So give God time to work things out in your ministry. What do we have about that? It takes time for things to work out. Isn't it? So you need patience. And God is working on your case. How many believe that God is working on your case? We have this image about what, 20 years old before we see what we are seeing now. So, just three years, 18 months, 12 months. Give God time. Give God time. You also have a maturity conference one day in your, in your region. Just give God time. Just give God time. You'll not be saying you have foundation, columns, and, and beams. You'll be having maturity conference and telling your octopus people that from today, from today, I finish with you. Yeah. You are not the only child. You are not the only child. You, yeah. You are not the only child. Yeah. Then you ask them, do you have a foundation? Yeah. <laughs> Even you sound like you like to judge, but. <laughs> yeah. But give God time. You become great. You see international ministers. People be coming to town and then they, they just drive straight to your branch somewhere. They will not even pass through Kodesh. They will come to Tichiman Kodesh. Kentampo Kodesh. Where Port Elizabeth Kodesh. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Next one. Do not allow rebels and disloyal people to do what? Treat disloyalty as a viral infection. Yeah, treat it that way. Number 18. <laughs> Number 18 is what? Be what? Be quick to see and admit things. Okay, be quick to see. May God give us the grace to be quick to see and to admit things. Next one. Be merciful when what? In your attitude towards your friends. Our people. Okay, be merciful. Are we merciful? Are we merciful? The way you're talking about your octopus people, is that you'll be merciful when it gets to your chance. So be merciful when you get to the chance, your, your turn. Be merciful. 
Next one. Obey your father's instructions. Usually it's just one instruction. Just two things that are being asked for. Just one thing that's being asked for. Note those instructions and obey those instructions. Next one. Build a church. Build a church. Build a church. This is Solomonic success. Build a church. Okay. <laughs> Build a church. The next one is what? Build your own house. Which are they going to build first? Your own house or the church? Really? Okay. Next one. Use your mind. Use your mind. Use your mind. Thinking people dominate non-thinkers. And why do um, spiritual people despise thinking people? Because most thinkers are unspiritual or appear unspiritual. They have an appearance as though they are not spiritual. Because they think. So they have sayings and things. Four things that will help you in thinking. It's what? Number one is what? Waiting on the Lord. How does waiting on the Lord help you to think? It relaxes your mind, isn't it? And when it relaxes your mind, you're able to think. The next one is what? Discussions. 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 I think one of the right people to surround yourself with are people that you can have discussions with, people you can talk to. There's people who understand and can talk to you and relate with you. And then the next one is what? So you read biographies. Read biographies. And then you can also watch the lives of great men and great people. And then the next one is traveling traveling. When you travel, you see things. You experience things. There are some things that you don't see, you don't experience when you stay in your own corner. When you travel, you see. You see how things can be done differently. Things can be done differently. Things can be arranged, can be arranged differently. You just need to travel and see. When you don't travel, all you know is uh, what you know. But things are different in other places. Things are different. Things can be different. And things can be not even different, but even better than what you have and what you know. But when you travel, unless you travel, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't see it. Unless you go somewhere else, you wouldn't know that such a thing exists or such things can be done in another way. You just know all you know and all you've seen is what it is. So traveling helps you to think better and to think differently. Amen. Amen. Okay. So keys to Warfare keys. No, I can't. I can't. I can't. Not today. What's the the first key? Or know that. Know that the source of your what? Really. So what do you understand by that? Who can help us understand this one? Or I should call you. Julian. My understanding of this one is that when you're going for battle, I mean, winning, on the, winning the battle does not mainly depend on um, the amount of troop that you have, but targeting the, 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 
strength, the source of strength of your enemy. If you can get that and bomb that one, then you have begun winning the war because that is where they have their nuclear bombs. They have their planning how they can attack you. They have their resources from. So once you have dislocated that one, then you're on the way to winning the war. Yeah. Oh, okay. When the enemy is coming for you, he is coming for your strength and also he's coming for your, your source of strength. And, um, yeah, uh, like your righteousness. And Bishop gave two examples here, which, uh, for me, he said that in, in battle, like in the Liberia War, one of the things that was destroyed was lights and then... Uh, no, I think it's all in the first one. That because he was saying that if you can... De- <laughs> because he was saying that if you can destroy like lights and communication, then you've destroyed a lot. And to me, for me, what I got from that was that for instance, the light is like your righteousness. And Bishop was saying that if the enemy can attack your righteousness, for example, if you're a pastor and you're involved in fornication, it's one of the things that you can never preach about. Because that part has been bombed by a submarine. And so, it's like... That part... You can never touch that part. You cannot preach about it. Even your, your, you, you will not have the moral right to mention it. Because anytime you mention it, the devil will say, not you. Or, if you are not, if you are not very fortunate also, maybe one of the people that, one of the troops that the devil used to bomb you will be in church. So as you are preaching and you are saying, do not fornicate. Say, and the troop is sitting at the back of the church and she say, Amen, Pastor. <laughs> and immediately, you, you will receive a second bombing. <laughs> and your whole ministry has begun going down. And then he talked also about um, communication. He said that, and for me, I related that to prayer and your relationship with God. If you can have time to pray and spend time with God. And um, Bishop was talking about the fact that uh, one of the things that if you are in full time can affect you in in this area is your wife. I also had a personal experience. Initially, my wife didn't didn't have a job. Then she got a job. And when when she's going... To work in the morning, she she will take her daughter to school, and then she she will say, "Oh, please, when it's three o'clock, pick it all up for me." And then she will say, "And try to cook some rice." <laughs> so, after some time, I realized that no, this thing, it's not going to work. So, one day, I, I was thinking of how I can talk to her about it, so that there will be also peace. So, one day I was just lying down, and then she came. She said, "Oh." Share your quiet time with me. <laughs> I said, really? She said, yes. So I said, the Bible says in Luke that he 
that does not hate his mother, father, brother, sister, and wife, and even himself and children cannot be my disciple. So I said, you see, this particular thing, I think that it should die. This message continues on the next track. Keep listening.